Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, Happy New Year, everybody watching online, all of our campuses, all of you here. How many feeling good today? Man, I'm feeling good. I'm ready. Ready. Uh, hey, uh, before I dive into the message, I want to say thank you for ending the year strong. Those of you who serve across all of our campuses, those of you who give, those of you who are involved and connected, those of you who aren't, man, I want to invite you to come in. But thank you for all of you who finished strong uh, in 2022, and I'm excited about what God is going to do in 2023. And one of the things we have coming up, uh, as you just saw, we have our Meals of Hope which is February 3rd and 4th, and this is where we need a lot of people to volunteer, and this, sign, this fills up fast, but there's a QR code. I'm going to keep this up there. If you want to put your phones up, uh, we, need, uh, we have two shifts on Friday the 3rd, two shifts on Saturday the 4th in the morning, and um, we're going to try to put together 500,000 meals, half a million meals. I think that's the most we've done maybe. Um, so I uh, would love for you to be a part of that. It's a fun, fun event, and it's right here at Frisco East Campus, so if you can, join us for that. This weekend, we start a brand new series called Revival. In the 23 years, and, and by the way, this weekend is 23-year birthday, uh, our 23, 23rd birthday for Hope Fellowship. 23 years ago this weekend, we started the church. So cool. It's one of those non-event years, though, 23. You don't celebrate 23. Now, 25, get ready. Two years, we're going to really celebrate. <clears throat> well, we're going to start a series called Revival. In the 23 years that I've been pastor, I don't know that I've ever done a series on revival. Now, there's a reason for that, and I'm going to explain that in, in this message uh, a little bit. But I, I think that when you think or we think of revival, Depending on your background, spiritually speaking, you have different things that come up in your head. If you think of revival as a Southern Baptist, you have one way of thinking about it. If you're a Pentecostal, you have another way of thinking about it. Maybe if you're Methodist or, or uh, Presbyterian or whatever, maybe you have a different view of that. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I'm glad you're here. But <laughs> revival has different connotations for different people. And over uh, the history of America and so forth, there's been tons of revivals. I'll talk about that in a minute. But I, th I think that it's best, I always like to start off with, if I'm going to talk about a subject for a whole series, which we are, revival this whole month, I want to give a framework, a, a definition. So what do, what do I mean when, when, when we say, or what do we mean here at Hope, when we say revival, what does that mean? Let me give you a working definition. When a group of believers simultaneously, now that's important, revival in the, in the sense of, of um, you know, just more than one person, more than a heart, is, is a group of people, let's just say hope at all of our campuses and those of you who are online that are called Hope Your Home, that we simultaneously ask God for a supernatural transformation of our lives or their lives that brings a, a few things. Conviction, contrition, and repentance of sin. A renewed awareness of God's presence, a hunger for God's word, a compassion for the lost, and a humility to love and serve the body of Christ. Now, there are so many ways that you could define revival. 
And I know that. I know that this is not the only one. It's probably the best one. But it's not the only one, I'm kidding, um, that, that you, you, we could put up there. And depending on the direction of a series, I could put a whole, uh, maybe a few other things on there. But for, for this purpose, our series, this is kind of where I land when it, when it comes to revival. In American church history, for the last 200 plus years, we've had some big revivals. In other words, simultaneously, a group of people and that would spread throughout the country, the Great Awakening in the 1700s, George Whitfield, um, Jonathan Edwards, um, huge part of the Great Awakening in our country in the 1800s, the Second Great Awakening. In the late 1800s, in England and our country, the Third Great Awakening with um, Dwight L. Moody, uh, William and Catherine Booth of the Salvation Army, uh, Charles Spurgeon, um, uh, the Sousa Street Revival in L.A. and other places in that after the Civil War into the early 1900s, the Third Great Awakening or Revival. And there have been pockets of revival since then when a group of people hungry for God and God does a transformation in their life and good things happen. However, it seems... And, you know, we're human, right? So when we get involved in what God is doing, how many know there, there can be some mess-ups, right? We can kind of get in the way of what God is doing. And so when, when I think of revival, and this is John's personal experience when growing up, and I grew up Pentecostal in the church and charismatic, and, and so I've seen a lot of things considered revival that, that I have tried to stay away from. And one of the reasons why you've never heard me really talk about revival or I want revival because I don't, <laughs> the way in which I grew up. So now that doesn't mean that good things didn't happen, but, but when we think of revival, there's a, there's a few challenges that have arisen in, every, it seems like almost every revival. The first one is emotionalism, extreme, where we are uncontrolled emotionally and, quote, have experiences or, or um, want other people to have experiences or our same experiences. And, and so we get in this really highly, highly emotional state and it alienates people. In 1 Corinthians 14, when Paul talks about the, the Corinthian church, when they gathered together and they were actually speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this gift and according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14. And he says, but listen, man, you guys are extreme. You're, you're to the extreme of this. And when people come into your service, they think you're crazy, right? And so a lot of revivals ended up in this extreme emotionalism. And I, I saw a lot of that. And, and, and being not extremely emotionally personally, or emotional person, it, it was almost kind of like, you know, I was like, oh man, this, is this really God? You know, type of thing. And I'm not saying God didn't work in those things, but, but one of the challenges of revival in history is emotionalism, or extreme emotionalism. The other is legalism. When God begins a work in our hearts and does something 
deep and transformational, right? We want to get closer to him. And in the late 1800s and the early 1900s, out of the Methodist, Wesley, John Wesley, the holiness movement, there was this, this uh, and it's not a bad idea, by the way, but there was this like, man, we're going to get close to God. And out of that Wesleyan revival, um, the Pentecostal, the Nazarene, the holiness-type churches uh, that wanted to get closer to God and, and, and took Scripture and actually added to Scripture. So in other words, when I was growing up, and I hope this doesn't offend anybody, but when I was growing up, if you smoked cigarettes, you were going to hell. And if you weren't going to hell, you smelled like you'd been there, right? Okay? So if you smoke, please, please do not get offended at all. That's just the way I was raised. And, and, and that was so wrong, right? It was so wrong. We added to that Scripture, and I was raised that you couldn't drink. If you drank alcohol, man, you were going to hell. And I don't believe that. Scripture doesn't teach that. But we added to. Does it make sense what I'm saying? So the legalism that can, that can become a part of, of, of revival, in other words, God speaks to you about a certain thing. He wants you to quit smoking. He wants you to quit drinking. He wants you to quit whatever, right? And it's one of those gray areas in Scripture that, doesn't, that Scripture doesn't really prohibit. It just means that I don't believe I'm supposed to do that, but I put that on you. The religious leaders of Jesus' day did that. They would take the law and they would add to it their own version, their own kind of complication and addition to it, and it burdened the people down. And so when revival takes place, and these are not the only two uh, challenges, but these are the big two that I feel like emotionalism and legalism. And what happens as a result of these two things is bad or distorted theology. And so in the Pentecostal movement, the charismatic movement, or in, in, in any other kind of revival, there can become bad theology, distorted, taking scripture and adding to it or trying to add to it or uh, creating things that really are not God experiences or manifestations that are really not God, and we make it a part of a norm, a norm of, of Christianity or our subculture of Christianity or our particular revival or church. So anyway, my point is, these are reasons why I, um, how would I describe it? These are reasons why I'm reserved when it comes to when people say, we need a revival in America. Actually, that is wrong. We need revival in the church. That's where revival begins. America in and of itself, and I know, I don't know, man, I, I don't, so never mind. Let's just forget that because I'm, I don't have time for your emails. But <laughs> revival is for believers. Let me just repeat that. Revival is for believers. And when believers try to make revival happen for unbelievers, in the sense of legalism, in the sense of keeping rules, we lose influence. So anyway, the, the point here is that having said this, we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And I'll be honest, I've been guilty of this in some ways. Staying away from you know, highly emotional things and legalistic things, but there's nothing wrong with feeling God. When, when I'm in worship and, and I'm, you know, we sing that last song and I don't even know the words, but no, 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 your way is better. Yeah, your way is better. Your way is better, right? Guys, I love that song. 
And there are times when I will be overwhelmed with emotion and tears will begin to flow down my cheek because I sense God's presence. And that's why I lift, those of you who are not used to lifting hands, I totally get it. It's not, you're not more spiritual because you do. But it's how I respond to his presence. And I just say, yes, God. I'm saying, yes, I agree. I'm reaching out to you. And I'm saying, yes, your way is better. I want to feel God. I want, I want there to be emotion involved in my relationship with God. Just like relationship this way needs emotion, relationship this way needs emotion. So we can't throw because of emotionalism or extreme ways or forms of revival in past history. We can't just say, oh, I don't want to be any part of that. We want to feel God. And in the same way, legalism, hey, many of that was, was, was meant good. It was not trying to make us, you know, burdened down with, with rules. It was meant to get us closer to God. And there's nothing wrong with holiness. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, I want to be closer to God. I want to move my life closer and, and walk in the center of his will and in his word. And I want to get rid of some of the things in my life that need to, I need to get rid of that are separating me from God. The sin or the things that perhaps aren't sin but still get in the way, I want to remove those. That's holiness. That's sanctification. That's moving closer to God's purpose and his will for our lives. So we want those things, right? We want both. But the result is, those things can really quench what God wants to do in the hearts of those far from him. Highly, extremely emotional things that, that manifest in, in ways that are outside of God's word, that are outside of God's really will, and then the highly, highly legalistic forms of Christianity that put people in in bondage, and, and really it's quenching what God wants to do in us and what he wants to do through us, and that's why revivals phase out. That's why revivals just kind of end because we, and, and listen, I'm not saying I wouldn't do this if I were, you know, a part of some kind of movement of God in our country, but we get in the way. Personalities get in the way. Power control of leaders. That's another you know, thing about revival. We get in the way and God won't share his glory with anyone. So what do we do? What would happen if, if Hope Fellowship, let's just say Hope Fellowship. I, I'm not in charge of any other church. But what would happen if simultaneously all of us or most of us said to the Lord, God, I want you to move in my life like never before. I want you to transform me. I want to surrender. I feel the conviction that there are things in my life that should not be there, the sin. I want, I, I, I want contrition over that. I want, repent. I want to repent over that. I want to hunger for you and your presence. I want to hunger for God's word. I want to hunger for lost people that are my friends, my, my, my coworkers, my, my neighbors, my classmates at school, I, I want to serve and I want to, I want to be more connected to you in 2023 than ever before. What would happen if simultaneously a group of people, thousands of people here in this area said, that's what I want, God. I want that of my life. 
I want to be closer to you. I want, I want you to transform me. I want to get the things of this world out of the way. So our roadmap for this series, because I really do believe if we all could get on that same page, not in the extremes of anything, but just on the same page of God, work in my heart, work in my heart. God, do what you want to do in my heart. I'm going to pursue you. I'm, going to, I'm asking you to give me a hunger for you that, that like I've never had before. This is the roadmap where we're going today. I want to talk about return. And these are our, our words because revival and all they have to all be our words. Uh, week two, refresh. Week three is restore. Week four is renew. We're going to talk about return Today And so here's where we're going to go for the next few minutes. I'm going to try to go quick here. One of my goals, I don't make resolutions really, but one of my goals is to speak less, okay? So um, just so if, so if you're thinking you're sitting there, you're going, man, that was quick. It's one of my goals. It's one of my goals. But if I happen to not, don't get up and just walk out. I'm not being quick, but I want to be quicker because I think I'm speaking too long. But anyway, so hopefully over the next few minutes, <clears throat> um, I want to challenge us, and here's, why, here's how I'm going to challenge you. We're going to go to Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3. Now, these letters in the book of Revelation is really a letter to the church, but it's a letter to seven of them in, in modern-day Turkey. Asia Minor, we used to call it. And these are, these are literal cities that these letters were written to, literal churches that these letters were written to. They're not symbolic churches. They're not symbolic cities. They are literal pastors, churches, cities that these letter, that this letter of John was written. And I really do believe, though, even though they're literal to, to the seven churches in, in, in Asia Minor, I do believe there are some things that we can learn and that the Lord will speak to us through, through what he said to them. And I want to start with this theme is return, remember, return. The theme uh, starts in chapter two, verse one, the first church. Let's look. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. In other words, they've been busy. They've been busy doing the work of the Lord. They've been busy in, in, in spiritual things. But you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. In other words, your influence. But you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans which I also hate. Now, the, the first thing here is return to God. And I do believe that many of us, not all of us, but many of us have allowed this world and the things of this world to capture our hearts. We've become comfortable with compromise. We become comfortable with sin in many ways. This world has become our home 
so to speak. And we just can't get enough of it. We can't get enough of the fun, the pleasure, and the treasure. And I know this, listen, listen, I know this is not a popular message. I'm not trying to be a, a, an old-fashioned preacher, hell, hell, fire, and brimstone, get you in a headlock and, and, and make you feel the fires of hell underneath you. That's not my intent. But, but I do sense, and I have for a while, and I told you about this series months ago, but I, have, I, I do feel like that our area specifically, not just Hope Fellowship, because we're the best one around, but there's a lot of, no, I'm kidding. But, but in our area in general, believers, that, that we have become very comfortable with the things of this world. We become very comfortable with, with, uh, with compromise. Now, now, do you remember when you first came to the Lord? You remember when you first or maybe rededicated your life to the Lord? And, and how you were intently um, committed to the Lord. I don't, I'll, I'll never forget, when I was five years old, my mom led me to the Lord. But later, <clears throat> in high school, summer before my sophomore year, at a youth camp in Kerrville, Texas, I rededicated my life to the Lord. And it wasn't in a highly emotional event. I was in a chair. I turned around and kneeled down at my chair. I didn't go up to the front. <clears throat> but I turned around, kneeled at my chair, and I rededicated my life. I was, I was living in compromise. I was living in, you know, kind of this area of just like, uh, you know, for, I'd for, forsaken or I'd lost my first love, to be honest. And I rededicated my life to the Lord that summer before my sophomore year. And from that day to this day, I've not been the same since. I've not been perfect. It's, it's, it, you know, spiritually speaking, we have these valleys and hills and, and, and mountaintops and, and good, good times and challenging times spiritually. But I've never been the same since that time. When I got up from that chair, there was something different. Went back to high school, started a Christian band. We, 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 we sang all over South Texas, Corpus Christi and Kingsville and Houston and San Antonio and the Rio Grande Valley where I'm from. And, and we saw so many, so many kids, teenagers come to the Lord. I remember those days. Now, I got a little legalistic in those days too. There's so many things I said that were stupid. I mean, just ridiculous. I mean, I put judgment and condemnation on so many believers. I mean, it was just crazy. But... Hopefully, <clears throat> I've tried to work my way out of that stuff. But I'll never forget how I felt and sensed God's presence and a commitment. When was the last time you felt that you were seriously, intently committed to Christ and that nothing, hap nothing that happens in your life was going to get in the way with that? For, uh, with that? Nothing was going to get in the, in the way between you and God. Guys, there's some things that I feel like some of us need to repent of. Some of us need to lay down. Some of us need to, to really get into this, just a circle of prayer with yourself and just say, God, what, what areas of my life do I need to repent? Am I being selfish? Do I need to return to my first love? Next verse Chapter 3, verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. 
but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. The second thing is a return to passion. This church was known for, had a reputation for being alive, but they were in jeopardy of dying. I've been all over Europe, England, Germany specifically, Italy, and I've been through so many beautiful churches, just gorgeous, beautiful, as far as architecture and the inside, just beautiful, but no people. Or very few, I should say. What, what's happened? What, what's happened in our lives where we, we were once alive, but now we are, spiritually speaking, virtually dead. Do you ever feel complacent in your spiritual life? Little hunger for God? Little hunger for God's word? Little hunger for God's presence. Little hunger for God's people gathering together. We, we've turned our, our relationship with God into a convenient Christianity. Like, okay, when I have time, I'll, I'll get there. If I'm not too busy, if the cowboys aren't playing. Uh, yeah, I said it, and I believe it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there. Or, you know, and I'm not just talking about church. I'm just talking about this way. I'm talking about our relationship with God, that we have grown complacent and dead and our passion for him our passion for him and, and the things of God man everything takes precedent everything it takes priority before that because we've we've lost our first all these work together we've lost our first love and and, and we were once alive but now well, we're not really all that alive in, in Jesus and when was the last time you invited somebody to church with you When's the last time you really sensed God's presence and you were just like so passionate that, that God would use you in your workplace, that God would use you at your place uh, of, uh, in school or in the neighborhood or wherever? It's time to repent of our complacency and our, and our lack of passion for him and, and our lack of hunger and love for God and his word and his presence and his people. What is God saying to us? Third, Revelation chapter three. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, or hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Listen to this. Everybody think, you might think I might, you know, really center on lukewarm, um, which is a lot like being dead, you know, a lot like losing your first love. Here's where I want to center. I want you to think about our area, the, the North Dallas. I want you to think about our area. And I, I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to make us all feel guilty. I'm trying to challenge us to really open our eyes to see what may be happening to us. I'm not talking about the unbelievers out in the world. I'm talking about us. You say, I am rich. 
I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Is that the way we live our lives? In many ways, as believers? These these, these are written to churches. These are not written to the city officials of Laodicea. This is written to the pastor and the church of Laodicea. And he says, you're saying, here's what you're saying. You're saying, man, I don't really need anything. I'm good, I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and I don't need a thing. But do, do you not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked? You came this first, first weekend of the new year to hear this. <laughs> Welcome to hope. <clears throat> You are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, spiritually speaking, not real gold. Spiritually speaking, I want you to buy from me the things that money cannot buy. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear. In other words, I'm I'm just clean before you so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and and solve to put on your eyes so that you can see, spiritually speaking, those whom I love. Listen, he doesn't say this because he's mad at us and because he's like, hey, man, you know what? I'm gonna kick you out. Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. Stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him. In other words, spiritually speaking, I'm gonna transform your life and they with me. It's time to, re- to repent. And, and, and the third thing is return to humility. Lukewarm is indifferent. Lukewarm is in the middle. Lukewarm is prideful. And have we become a little arrogant in our lives, spiritually speaking, with not much regard for God at all? Now, I know some of you are like, no, that's not me. Good, good. You pray for the other people next to you, right? Some of us are living in in, in just a little bit of arrogance, And the only time we really get passionate or we really kind of pray is when we need it. When there's an emergency. When you can't control the situation and then we're like, okay, God, man. And then we're like, where are you? I don't feel you. And all those things. Guys, in every one of these, in every one of these uh, scriptures, he says, repent to believers. He says, and we're not repenting to get saved again. We're repenting of the complacency, of the lack of commitment that some of us are living in. There's an old preacher in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when asked, he was a revivalist, he would evangelist, he would go around and preach, and you know, many came to the Lord, and they asked him what time, what, what, where does revival start? How can we make revival start? And he says, oh, I know the answer to that. I want you to go home. I want you to get into a closet. I want you to get a piece of chalk. And I want you to draw a circle around yourself. 
And I want you to pray that revival would happen in that circle. And what if we, right now, spiritually speaking, got a piece of chalk, simultaneously here at Hope, McKinney, Prosper, West, online, here at East, we got a piece of chalk and we just said, God, do it right here. Listen, and I mean this in love. This is not a political statement. We don't need revival in America. We need it here. And when, when the revival is here, guys, God's going to do something. And let it, why not here? Why not it starting here, right here? That a group of people in 2023 said, you know what? And again, I know, I'm not saying everybody is like this, but some of us need to repent. We need to, we need to repent from our sin. We need to repent from our complacency, our lack of priority, our comfortableness with this world and the things of this world. I'm good, I'm good. Well, yeah, yeah, but what are you doing for God? What are we doing for the Lord? If you want revival, piece of chalk circle and ask God to start revival in that circle and if we all did that in 2023 guys I'm telling you our families our church our area would be different I'm not talking about having more services so when I think of, when we think of revival don't say yeah John I remember the good old days no 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 I don't want the good old days I want what God's gonna do right now in and through our lives. I don't know what that would look like. I don't even know what would happen. I'm not even looking for an answer to that. All I know is saying, God, would you do it in me? Would you do it in us? And let's just see what God would do over the next few weeks. I hope you'll join me. I hope you'll come back every service you can and that we together would move forward and say, God, we want your kingdom to come. Your will will be done right here, right now. Not just in the White House, not just in the Congress, not just in the Senate. I want, it, I want your will to be done right here in me. And that's where it starts. God, I love you. And I pray that, that all of us together, that, that simultaneously we would ask you to start revival in us. That we would repent that we would have open eyes and ears and hearts to hear, see what the Spirit of God is saying to our church, to our lives. And that uh, not making promises for the new year, not holding ourselves to a new standard necessarily in in ways in which that maybe we're not going to commit to or be able to finish. But Lord, we're just saying, God, okay, all right, you know what? Today, I'm just going to start today with yes, with a, with a yes, a resounding yes to I want you to, re, to change me, to transform me, and to begin that revival right here in my heart and my life. I want you to open your eyes across all of our campuses, and I'll finish that prayer in just a second. But I want us to say a prayer together. It's going to be on the screens. This is a, a prayer of revival. You ready? All together. One, two, three. When we become dry on the inside, 
when our rejoicing in you is displaced with complaining about you, when our delighting in you fades into detachment from you, when our love for you wilts into fading memories of you, we are powerless to change and are in need of your provision. There is no fountain or reservoir of our own making that can even begin to make, to make a dry heart green. And so we repeat a prayer from the psalmist that you would once again repeat the refreshing of our souls and turn our hearts back to you. This is Psalm 85, 6. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation, God. We really mean that. But not just in this service. Maybe before we turn the TV on for the game, maybe before we do whatever we're gonna do, that even right now in this very moment, we, we just say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I want that in my life. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Right now, right now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.